The following is an encore performance. This is Paula Morell, and welcome to Tales from the South, presented by bourbonandboots.com. She read to me an article that was in one of the Arkansas papers promoting the event, but the headline was, Sweet Potato Cultivator Speaks. <laughs> I am not now, nor have I ever been, a cultivator of sweet potatoes. I like sweet potatoes, I eat them a lot. I don't want anything to do with the growing of them. You know, I just, I want them to show up already grown. I finally tracked down the new editor guy and said, yeah, what's the deal? And he said, well, you know, maybe it's just me, but you're just not funny. tonight's band, the Salty Dogs. What'd you think? They have CDs for sale after the show, and you can check out their website at thesaltydogs.net. All right, well, welcome to a very special edition of Tales from the South, a series we call the Ten Roof Project, where well-known Southerners bring their own true stories to life. We are on location in the beautiful, historic Argenta Arts District of North Little Rock, Arkansas. Tales from the South is presented by Southern lifestyle brand bourbonandboots.com, and I'm your host, Paula Martin Morell. On my left here strumming is 1931 National Resonator, it's blues guitarist Mark Simpson. Mark wrote our theme music and plays for us live each week. And how about our set back here? 
All right, are y'all ready for some Southern style storytelling? Jill Connor Brown, the sweet potato queen, is, according to Nielsen Bookscan, America's number one humor writer. There are more than three million copies of the Sweet Potato Queen's books currently in print, and three of her eight books have been on the New York Times bestsellers list. Two of them were number one. She has won awards for the readings of the audio versions of her books and has appeared on multiple television and radio shows and series. Jill has written for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and is currently a monthly contributor to AY Magazine. A Broadway musical based on the Sweet Potato Queens is being developed in partnership with musician and producer Kevin DeRemer, Grammy award-winning Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Melissa Manchester and Oscar nominee and Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame inductee Sharon Vaughn. Writing the stage play is National Broadway Theater Award winner and Best Play Tony nominee Rupert Holmes. Boss Queen Jill Connor Brown founded the Sweet Potato Queens, now a global phenomenon with 6,200 chapter groups in 22 countries based upon her philosophy and worldview as recounted through her rollicking, raucous, and riotlessly funny essays. Women and smart men understand that body, sassy, down-to-earth humor is simply the vehicle by which the greater message is conveyed, that is, one of self-reliance and empowerment, inspiring all to do what makes their hearts sing. When she's not writing, working for relief efforts, or speaking at fundraising events around the country, Jill lives and reigns in Jackson, Mississippi, with her three cats, a three-legged girl dog, a big boy dog, her daughter's rescued mutt, and her husband. And no, he's not the sweet potato king. Please help me welcome the multiple number one New York Times bestselling author and the sweet potato queen, Jill Connor Brown. I'm tickled to be here. I always love to come to Arkansas. Um, I'm the, uh, the cutest boy in the world, my husband, Kyle Jennings, is from Hot Springs, so we're always happy to come here. And uh, of course, my, my friends at AY, and then we've also, the hogs and kisses are here, and I, ha I, I have to tell you, a lot goes on in the queendom now. There, there's a whole big chapter of Memphis Blues Queens in Memphis, and the hogs and kisses stole that man right there, Ray Ray, they stole him, the spud stud, from the Memphis Blues Queens. So there's a big, big scandal. We got cussing queens here. We got federal queens here. We got, we got wannabes here. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but a, a really special friend of mine, and it, it was totally a coincidence that I drew her name. I can't believe I did that. But Helen Murphy Austin, who is actually was from, I knew her in Jackson. She's been here for uh, a while. And y'all probably know her. She writes for all manner of publications here. But what you really need to know about Helen is that when, when I sign your books, and anywhere I go, anywhere, anywhere in the world, I, I put my card, my business card in there, and it says, lick you all over 10 cents. <laughs> ask about our other specialties. <laughs> I have been giving these cards out since way before I even invented the Sweet Potato Queens, and Helen had these made for me for my birthday, the first time when, I don't know, what were we, 12? I don't know. <laughs> but 
And it's just such a great little icebreaker. I just kept doing it, and uh, no one has ever lost my business card. When you, <clears throat> when you use this card, and I can pretty much tell by looking at y'all which ones will, um, <laughs> or, or have, um, get the dime first, you know. <laughs> We, we do all like to think they won't cheat us out of a dime, however history has sadly shown. Otherwise, has it not? The, that's your loss leader. The other specialties in the fine print should be wildly expensive, and that is my financial tip. Um, I, I'm not real sure how I ended up getting here tonight, and I'm, I'm sure y'all are wondering the same thing. I, I really never had any ambition. Well, the only ambition I ever had in my life was to be 5'2 and have long red hair, green eyes large breasts, little feet, and be able to sing. And none of that worked out. Um, and so after that, I kind of moved on my next thing. I thought, well, I would like to sit on the back porch and mouth breathe a lot. That appealed to me. Um, there is not even a government job that will pay you to do that. And, um, and I found myself at the time divorced um, from the Antichrist. Um, and. Um, I was about $30,000 in debt because, well, we really, I, I can't imagine why I left this man, really. We had such an, an equitable relationship. It was really 50-50. Uh, half of us went out and, and spent huge fortunes on uh, cashmere socks and racing tires, and the other half of us uh, paid for them, and <laughs> it was such a fair deal, but... Um, so, you know, I, I'm raising my daughter pretty much by myself, and um, my mother, very inconveniently for me, had a stroke, and um, I was taking care of her, and I'm $30,000 in debt from the sock king of NASCAR, and, um, and so I was working as a full-time as an exercise trainer at the YMCA and writing as a stringer, which means for hardly any money, for three different newspapers, and so working my ass off is what I was doing, but... I was, I was perfectly happy doing that, just because, you know, that's what I did to keep our heads above water. And so I'm rocking along, everything is fine. And then one of the newspapers, the Mississippi Business Journal, changed hands and fired me. They didn't, even, they didn't actually fire me, they just quit running my story, didn't call, you know, I had no idea what the deal was. And so I finally tracked down the new editor guy and said, yeah, what's the deal? And he said, well, you know, maybe it's just me, but you're just not funny. And I said, clearly, it's just you. And I said, you know, people have said many things to and about me in my life, true and untrue, kind and unkind, but nobody has ever said to me, you're not funny. And, but be that as it may, I was fired. And so I was just completely undone because um, when I, the other queens, you know, all of whom are incredibly accomplished women and or heiresses, some or both, it's an annoying group, but... <laughs> You know, they're going, what do you care? What do they pay you, you know, 300 bucks a month? And I said, yeah, it's my light bill. You know, I had everything so compartmentalized of what I had to do to keep this boat afloat. And so it was a very big deal for me. But, you know, that is the thing. Sometimes we are so entrenched in what we're doing. And God's got something so much better for us in mind that he has to blast us out of where we are. And, uh, you know, survival is not the strongest drive. If, it, if that were so, there would be no battered women. You know, it'd be one time, they'd be out. 
And uh, familiarity is our strongest drive. We want everything to be the same, even if it sucks. And so, and that's kind of, you know, where I was. But, but God never takes away your bread and hands you a stone. And so the only reason I ever pursued any kind of book deal to begin with was to try to replace the $300 a month that I lost from the Mississippi Business Journal. And I'm happy to tell you that in there, this year I was selected one of, one of the Mississippi Business Journal's 50 leading business women in Mississippi. <laughs> Let me just tell you, I am not a businesswoman by anybody's definition. Today, I am, as far as I know, the world's only full-time professional sweet potato queen. And that, that's how it came to be so. And, but imagine my surprise when I got here today and um, I heard from, from my aunt, Sharon Doherty. She read to me an article that was in one of the Arkansas papers talking prom promoting the event, but the headline was, Sweet Potato Cultivator Speaks. <laughs> now, I am not now, nor have I ever been a cultivator of sweet potatoes. <laughs> I like sweet potatoes, I eat them a lot, but you know, I don't want anything to do with the growing of them. You know, I just, I want them to show up already grown. And, um, but you know, <clears throat> What I have learned, historically speaking, in my life, that whenever a newspaper says something untrue about me, I'm about to get a new job. So I can't wait to see what that's going to be. But um, I know that some of y'all might be disappointed that I don't have on the whole big outfit today. Although I did have on a bigger thing for the picture later. You'll see that in AY later on. But, um, but I did, you know, I sparkled up as, as good as I could. And I did wear my travel hair for y'all. <laughs> so, now... This is, and I know I have been I have been looking at Helen all night with her looking at my head, going, "What in the world is she doing with all that hair? <laughs> Way too old to be wearing that hair." This is really not a good gig, good gag for radio. <laughs> but you know, one of the the worst parts about getting old, not that I have found any of the good parts. Um, <clears throat> is giving up that hair tossing. You know, that when you're young, there's really no way to make a point quite as emphatically as when you're young, got all that hair to sling around. And um, this will stay on for some pretty good tossing. I recommend it to you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna read from God Save the Sweet Potato Queens. And this was my second book. My daddy grew up as many of you may know, in Atala County, Mississippi, which is out from Ethel, Mississippi, to be exact, and that is a suburb of Kosciuszko, Mississippi. <laughs> they didn't have any indoor plumbing back then. They also didn't have any outdoor plumbing. <laughs> Other people had plumbing of one sort or another, I'm sure, but my people didn't. In the house at night or in bad weather, they used a slop jar. The prissy folks called that a chamber pot. They took it outside to empty it at a more convenient time. Or they just went in the woods, which were nearby and plentiful. <laughs> Daddy, always the outdoorsman, made a sort of hobby, as only a guy would do, out of thinking up new and interesting places outside in which to answer nature's call. His favorite was to climb a tree. <laughs> select a sturdy limb with a big fork in it, drop trowel, 
perch in the fork and let fly. He found this highly invigorating in one of those bizarre boy ways. I personally cannot imagine any circumstances under which I could or would do this in, or rather from, a tree. I have not, in my informal but exhaustive survey, found any woman who can imagine such a thing. But tell this story to a guy and his little face just lights right up. <laughs> anyway, Daddy had gone to his favorite tree one hot summer day and his dog Rags followed him, waiting, wagging, looking up expectantly into the leafy canopy awaiting the descent of his boy. Daddy tried mightily to shoo him away to no avail. Finally, nature could wait no longer, plummeting earthward and coming to rest smack on top of the dog's head. <laughs> now, Rags had no idea what was on his head, <laughs> only that something had fallen out of the sky, landed on his head and stuck there. He was completely undone by the whole thing as any dog would be. And he took off running and hollering across the field. Meanwhile, my granddaddy, the ineffable Harvey, was plowing behind a big old red mule. Harvey was deaf as a post and did not know that Rags was hollering. He saw only the dog's rapidly approaching shadow coming up behind him. An affable, dog-loving kind of guy. Harvey never looked away from the row he was plowing, but just reached down to pat Rags on the head as he came up alongside him and he drew back a handful of, well, freshly minted umps. Nonplussed, I don't think would quite cover Harvey's reaction. I am at a loss to express the multiplicity of feelings that must have enveloped him. He just looped the reins over the plow handle and slowly ambled on up to the house, occasionally looking at his soiled hand and shaking his head. He drew some water from the well. As he stood scrubbing on the back porch of the old farmhouse, his wife, my grandmother Carrie, headed out to see why he had stopped plowing in the middle of the day in the middle of a row to come wash his hands. When he saw her coming, he turned to her with soulful, searching eyes and posed one of those haunting parental questions that will no doubt linger throughout the ages. Ma, he asked, what in this world could I have done to that boy to make him on his own dog's head <laughs> and sick him on me? <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jill Connor Brown, for your story for Tales from the South. So in your story, this is your granddaddy's house, your daddy's daddy. Did you ever go over there when you were growing up? Absolutely. And so did they still not have any indoor They still or did not plumbing? have any plumbing. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. so yes. I had to learn to use a chamber pot which I have never been a tiny child. <laughs> um, it, was, 
It's difficult to fold up on something that's that high off the... <laughs> and so um, I'm curious, do you have any brothers or male cousins or any males for that matter who carried on your daddy's tradition of... I do have a sister. I have a sister named Judy Palmer in New Orleans, um, but she is not of the tree climbing sort. Um, I'm not sure what her other proclivities might be, but tree climbing is not one of them. No, I don't, there's not anybody else in the family. However, I did marry one <laughs> that I'm sure that is uh, in our future somewhere um, down the road, but I do have a, a he pees everywhere. Um, anywhere, I have a photograph of him peeing off the top of Kilimanjaro. Now, I will just say that I was personally pretty proud he could even find it on the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> That's my baby. <laughs> and so, um, did your grandmother Carrie figure out what happened to poor old Rags on that day? I am sure she heard all about it. My, my grandparents were always a thousand years old from the time I, I came along, and uh, so I, I never got to hear her version of it, but uh, no, that, that was related to me by daddy, of course. All the, there are many daddy stories in my, in my books, and a lot of them are scatological in nature. <laughs> so you only got to hear his version of yes. the story. Yes, okay. I can't imagine there is like a better version. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have a few minutes here at the end for audience questions. That would be one of the cussing queens. Yes. <laughs> if you happen to notice the back of our sash, we wrote it upside down last night um, <laughs> after a few glasses. If you had to pick three things for us to pack for the parade, what would the top three be? The top three things that you need to pack for the parade, the comfy shoes, comfy shoes, and comfy shoes. Okay? <laughs> I don't care how cute you look. If your feet hurt, it is wasted. So comfy shoes are the only important thing. And that's the St. Patrick's Day parade that you... No, it's, we're separate now. It's the Zippity-Doo-Dah parade in Fondren. It's a week later. And, uh, and it is a, a fundraiser, as I said. Uh, everything's for the Children's Hospital. Sweet Potato Queen's life secret. Well, the only advice my grandfather ever gave us, he never said, be good, be sweet, be careful, anything. He just said, be particular. <laughs> and, and if you think about it, it does pretty much cover cover everything, and I can tell you the times in my life, and, and Helen could certainly back this up, any, the times that I did not follow that advice do stick out somewhat glaringly. <laughs> okay, how do you and Kyle have such a good relationship? I mean, how do you keep that spark alive? I know you all are very busy. Well, look at him. <laughs> he, that's all it takes for me, you know. He, he is the cutest boy in the world, uh, but I will tell you, you know, he's 10 years younger than I am, which is horrible. Um, I was not looking at all, but had I been looking, I can assure you, I would have been looking for really old, uh, really bad heart, really rich, no family, you know, and, and really thick cataracts. And, um, but, you know, that's what I got, cutest boy in the world. I will tell you, though, that without his glasses, he, I think he is legally blind, which does explain a lot about our relationship. <laughs> he is the cutest boy in the world. Yes, he is. He is the cutest boy in the world for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. 
Of all the names in the Southern lexicon for women, what possessed you to choose Tammy? Tammy, well, because I do tell, if you've read my books, and there are eight, by the way, number nine will be out at parade time. You can get your book at parade time. But, um, and I'll tell you the name of that in just a minute. But the, um, I do tell everything, as you know. And don't ever tell me a secret. I will blab it everywhere. Um, but we decided, some of the things that I, we decided, you know, Jackson is, comparatively speaking, a small town. Everybody knows everybody. And so we thought some of the things we might want to have a, a pseudonym. And so everybody was supposed to pick a stage name, and everybody wanted to be Tammy. And we decided that it was not fair for one to get the name that all wanted, so we're all Tammy. <laughs> Which, yeah. <laughs> but the new book, the name of the new book is Fat is the New 30. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the Sweet Potato Queen's Guide to Coping with the Crappy Parts of Life. And, uh, of course, denial being our main coping mechanism. But, um, yeah, and I, my, my sister, uh, the one who does not climb trees, um, thought of fat as the new 30. So, Jill, I've got your book, American Thighs, and even though it talks a little bit about uh, some of us that are a little older than 40, let's say. Uh, with the cutest boy in the world being 10 years younger, what do you do about the air in your house? Because mine is 10 years younger. And he says I'm freezing him out. Oh, well, now, see, it's the other way around. I am always, I generate no heat whatsoever. I generate nobody heat at all. And, uh, and so it's always like 12 degrees in our house because of him. But you know, it's a small thing. <laughs> I just bundle up and climb on him. So yeah. <laughs> toasty. <laughs> I am a Northern Ireland sweet potato queen. And and I want you to know that I have never marched in a St. Patrick's Day parade in Ireland like the one I have in Jackson, Mississippi. Wonderful. Good. Well, come play with us at Zippity Doodah. I want to ask if Kyle ever find your birthday present. Kyle hides things very well, including his own Easter eggs. Um, <laughs> and so last year, my birthday's in November, November 23rd, and he procured a birthday present for me. Apparently it is in two parts. And he cannot, he hid it and he cannot find it. Has not found it yet. <laughs> Has not found it yet. And he's got the one part which he wanted to give to me to prove that he had, because it goes together or whatever. He wanted to prove that he had it. And I said, oh no. I can wait. So, <laughs> so we're waiting to see. No, he has not found it yet. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Jill Connor Brown, for being on Tales from the South and reading your story. Tales from the South is presented by Southern Lifestyle brand bourbonandboots.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Stitcher Smart Radio. You can download and listen to our podcast on our website. We are open for submissions from all Southerners. More can be found at talesfromthesouth.com. Have a great night, and we'll see you next time for another edition of Bourbon and Boots Tales from the South. Good night, everybody.
Try.